Welcome to Styles Section, the Wise Guy Podcast. I'm Dan. And I'm Sheila. And we got two more good ones this week. Oh, well, if if you can get through the fact that they have this bizarre representation of Canada. <laughs> yeah. As long as you can ignore that. To be, to be fair, this week they're actually dealing with legit French people. So there you go. Uh, and again, it, it really does feel like everything was said in Montreal. Because it's like the, uh, the, the consulate. Like, it's all about the consulate, the French consulate. And the ambas- uh, the, the minister, right? The deputy minister, who normally works out of the embassy in Ottawa, but is flying to Vancouver for the day. And I'm like, do you know what a hassle it is to fly from Ottawa to Vancouver? Obviously not. I mean, because it's not like he has a private plane. He's just a deputy minister in France. Uh, you know, they're not giving him a private plane. So it's like, he would have to go to Ottawa airport, you know, w- buy a ticket, wait in line, get in a plane, fly for four hours. Well, you know? if he's lucky to get a direct flight to Vancouver. You can usually get a direct flight from Vancouver to Ottawa. But you're right. Oftentimes you have to go to Toronto first. Yeah. Like it's not, it, it is a bit of an ordeal. But again, we just have to accept that in in our heads, we know this is supposed to be Montreal, and we just got to move on with that. <laughs> so we're talking about the the fifth episode of the Jeez. Prophet arc, which is Merchant of Death. Uh, and I'm going to tell you something. Here's something I never noticed until I was watching it this time. What? I suspect that the network flip-flopped this and player to be named now. I think this was supposed to happen directly after Smoky Mountain Requiem. And Player to be Named Now was supposed to be after. But they were worried about keeping people's attention. And uh, what do you call it? Player to be Named Now is such a good episode. That they wanted to make sure people were hooked on the arc. That is that is my theory for this episode. It's just... And I know that that sounds out like it's coming out of nowhere. But A... They specifically reference the events of Smoky Mountain Requiem in this episode, right? So they specifically talk about what happened in Tennessee in this episode in a way that they don't regularly do. That's A. B, last week, Smoky Mountain, sorry, Smoky Mountain Requiem is all about introducing the concept of the arms business, and it makes sense to then do an episode about the arms business the minute like the audience is familiar with that concept, right? So Smoky Mountain Requiem, he talks about how mostly they're in the munitions business. So it explains to it, it, it suggests that immediately you'd have that. And the big one is look at the relationship between Vinny and Susan in Player to be Named Now. It's completely obvious that they're already sleeping together. Just by the way they interact in that episode. Like at the baseball, th- uh, the baseball stadium, yeah. they're making out in a car while Mel's just outside and not that concerned about Mel seeing them. Right. And this episode is canonically, as the characters tell us, the first time they have sex. You see my point? Okay. Okay. I, I, I get it. So it's, it's quite possible. I, I mean, it doesn't really affect things. Nah. But it creates this slight inconsistency that I think is important. That makes sense to you? 
Well, uh, yeah, it's not that slight. Susan is so screwed up that. Yeah, you're right. You know, and Vinny doesn't wasn't. Uh, yeah. Yes, it might play better the other way around, but I it doesn't. It doesn't change particularly. Yeah, and I think that's the key part I want to say here, which is it doesn't really change anything. I just find it interesting that after seeing all of these 50 times, only this time, giving it this kind of watch, do I realize that there is, is a thing that There's feels this... like an inconsistency, and in all likelihood, these were aired in the wrong order. Yeah, because we did complain in About the baseball how scene how abrupt that was. That they're together. and But if it came yeah. after this... Well, it would make perfect sense, wouldn't it, that they're behaving that way? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I really think there's a good chance Except that would that... happen. Please, go. Yeah, no, no, I was just trying to think about Mel's reaction. Yeah. And I'm not sure that Mel's reaction wouldn't have been worse with their making out in the car. Well, I mean, that's debatable. I mean, that's given definitely... Given his rea reactions thereafter. In this episode, or in this episode, yeah, because he's not exactly yeah, happy about it in this episode, yeah. Merchant of Death. Anyway, the episode kicks off in um, Kiraguay, which is the fake name of a South American country. A uh, a general wants some Exocet missiles, which are, I assume, an anti-tank weapon? I don't know for sure. Uh, that he has been promised by a middleman working for Mel Prophet. Uh, the whole scene, because it's just shot in a blank void, kind of feels like they needed uh, maybe something they shot later to explain the stakes of the episode. It's hard to tell exactly, but that's kind of the vibe I get out of. But I mean, the scene works. It's not a complaint about the scene. It's just an observation that it feels a little like that. Uh, and of course, so we know there uh, there is an army. They are desperate for weapons. And because, you know, they're a scummy dictatorship, they can't get them anywhere from but from Mel Prophet. That is what we're up to in this episode. And we then cut into Mel uh, and Susan buying some jewelry. Yeah. In kind of a fun scene. Because they get these uh, jewels. One is a ring, uh, an emerald ring and a matching emerald necklace. And, of course, we find out at the end of the scene that uh, we, we get a bit of, you know, Mel's expertise immediately recognizing that the uh, the <laughs> necklace is not as fine as he is being told. Like, the stone is not as perfect, and he 100%... Well, one of the stones isn't as perfect. One of There's the a stones. whole bunch of That's stones one in of that The one. central stone is too dark Yes. for the necklace, and so that makes it not as valuable as the guy saying it is, which is a nice touch. It shows Mel knows what he's doing. And then Susan reveals that they also know that these are stolen gems and this whole thing is insurance fraud. Yeah. As a case of insurance fraud where a rich lady has faked the gems being stolen, collected on the insurance, and now she's going to get a double payout because this middleman will also sell the necklace for her. Yeah. Uh, so again, you know, the this is the second time in two episodes we've uh, just heard reference to the idle rich. <laughs> one of them, yeah, in the previous episode, one of them got yeah. killed by a uh, bottle of a bottle of Dom champagne Perignon. of Dom Perignon, and then in this one we got a woman who is de who like is desperate for money to keep up the illusion of her lifestyle. 
So yeah, like just just little stuff in the background about how guess what? Uh the whole world of rich people is a facade. <laughs> a little bonus <laughs> message that it's all a facade. It's all something they're putting on. Uh you know, you can't trust anything in that world, which I I kind of like. In fact, I really like that. <laughs> Okay, so uh, we get into the main action of the episode. Susan invites Vinny to come to a soiree at the French consulate. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he gets dressed up in a suit that she provides him because he didn't have a suit. Uh, there's another line in here that suggests uh, that where she, he says, I had to leave New Jersey in a hurry, mm-hmm. which again, kind of like gives the impression that this is supposed to be only like a month or two into him working there. So like you would position this right after fascination for the flame. No, well not no, right after Smoky uh-uh. Mountain Rec. Right after Smoky Mountain Requiem, I mean. Yeah. Uh it's I'm possible. Not so- no, you're not so sure. But you're right. He could no, just be because saying, he's being muscle and he he had no need. He would have no need for that kind to of thing. To buy a right. new tuxedo. tuxedo. Why would he? Yeah, you're right. They they could be there for a couple of months at this point. It's just later in the episode, given the confusing timelines, Roger refers to Vinny as, as having been in Vancouver for three weeks. And that could be accurate or that could be hyperbole. But you put a couple of things together and there are clues that this should have come after Smoky Mountain Requiem. All right. So they get there. <laughs> Susan tells Vinny to meet him in the library. But once he gets there... Uh, he finds himself arrested by security staff, led by the smoking man, <laughs> William B. Sicking. <laughs> Just last week, we were talking about how they always have to plug in some Canadian actors, yep. right? And now you have like the definitive, like workman Canadian, Canadian actor <laughs> that everybody knows who's watched the X Files. Just yeah, in mean, case there are a few people who miss the. That's true. Uh, Illusion yes. to the smoking man. The cigarette smoking man from the X-Files. Well, yep. he was just called the smoking man, and that's what he called his autobiography. Aww. That's actually really nice. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's a wonderful, wonderful actor, right? Uh, Love seeing him. And it was, oh God, it's so great that he got famous enough to warrant an autobiography <laughs> off of this insane extra role. In the because literally the he was hired as a as a featured extra in the Xbox. Yeah. It wasn't a real part. He was an extra with special business, uh, you know. So they needed a union guy, and so he was a creepy looking guy. So they're like, oh, let's put him in it, and it turned into quite a career for him. Oh yeah, I mean he became the smoking yeah. man is famous now. No, oh, he is iconic. <laughs> I mean he's iconic. He's iconic. Yes, he's absolutely iconic. We love him. Like, he's just got that look to him. Oh, God. But anyway, he comes in. Vinny is arrested for stealing a cable from the, uh, stealing a cable from the French embassy. Of course, uh, sorry, the French consulate. Of course, Vinny has no idea what they're talking about. And it was planted in the, uh, the suit jacket he's wearing. In the tuxedo jacket, which is a nice touch. Because it sets up, again, uh, Susan looked like she was doing something nice for him, but it was all part of a setup, just to remind you of who she is. So he gets sent to jail. Yeah, even though she does tell tell Mel she's not really happy about this. Yeah, she's not super psyched about tri- using Vinny like this. And he's like, that's what... And Mel is like, that's what people are there for. People exist for us to use them. That's his entire worldview. Uh, oh, but she, yeah. again, the thing we've talked about so many times on the show now is that 
Like, the whole story is of Vinny having this innocence to him that pe- that these corrupt people find impossible to resist. Well, and she is slowly falling apart. Oh, of course. Like, I think it's a good job in all of these episodes of her slowly... Getting worse and worse and worse. It should have, even though we should have had a bit more setup. Yeah. It's just this slow little business. But anyway, right? It's it's well done. Like it really yeah. is. I mean, last week I said the meanest thing I've said on this entire show, which was it was a B performance of an A plus character. But I I do want to say that like although I think the acting could be better, I don't want to say that Joan Severance does a bad job by any. Um, it's just stretch of the imagination. It's what we were talking about with yeah. um with the actress who played uh Gina in uh yes. no, Tina in in Loose Cannon whereas yeah. she is a type of acting. Yeah. Right? That was popular in the 80s. This dramatic nighttime soap opera acting that just clashes with what all of the other performers are doing. Mm-hmm. And that's why I call it a B performance of an A plus character. Well, as I said, no matter how you slice it. Yeah. Until we get to dead dog, I mean dog, dead dog records. Dead dog records. We're not going to get a really well written female character. No, not at all. You're absolutely right. It's and just, then you get two. You get two fantastically it's written like characters. Freak. One of whom, female. by the way, who man? One of them who, by the way, like comes from the world of music. Yeah. Right. One of the world who comes like who's literally just a singer who also acts, and she does an incredible job. And then on the other end of it, you've even got a third character in there who is a woman from the world of soap operas. Soaps, in fact, she's yeah. incredibly famous for being a little soap operas. But it's revealed over the course of the show, and it's a great performance by her, her, that the soap opera stuff is a facade. Yep. But anyway, we've got to stop talking about Dead Dog Records. People are going to be too excited about it. Because uh, yeah. <laughs> again, no one has been able to watch this for 30 yeah. years. No syndication. You know, no syndication, no DVD releases, nothing. No one has been able to watch Dead Dog Records for 30 years. It's insane. But you know what? Thank you, Canal Fan 4587. So, Roger Springs, Vinny from jail, Vinny, ha- uh, and we find out what's going on. There's a corrupt guy in who works at the embassy, and he get and he signs off um, end user certificates for arms sales. So, just a quick information about how this works. So, governments restrict. Governments that have arms industries, selling tanks, missiles, aircraft carriers, they, they'll always legally, there has to be an end user certificate saying that the government is okay with who you want to sell this rocket launcher to, right? And you can't sell anything to anyone without one of these end user certificates. And he has been essentially forging or just using his position of power to sign these end user certificates to get them to unsavory people. And basically, Mel just wants him to do the same thing. Uh, wants him to do the same thing for them. They need the missiles. They need them to get to Kiraguay within a day or two. And they're going to pay a million dollars for that. And it's a fantastic scene for <laughs> Kevin Spacey. And by the way, his confrontation with this guy happens in an aquarium. I know. It's well, they such have a weird I mean, location. 
yes, I know, but they've got the Vancouver Aquarium there. You got to use it sometime. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> As a backdrop, it is wonderful. Oh, you know, it it looks fantastic. It's a great thing to put in the background. Mel gets to do his uh, preacher character. Yep. <laughs> his southern preacher character. Like, the whole scene is wonderful. Yeah. Where he, and again, excellently written about how this guy, how his life is going to be over if this stuff comes out. As he says, you know, do they still have the guillotine? <laughs> France, France didn't stop line. using the guillotine until, like, the 80s so it's not a crazy thing to ask or maybe the well late no 70s. i think we've looked we've looked at that before and they it was finally like the 70s, did yeah. and i don't even know if they had used it in a while but in yes. a while you know it's but it's just, a great it line and a, it's a great yeah. moment you're right <laughs> like whether he's being literal still, or not it's, yeah. it's a great scene uh and then you get this wonder so then they're like okay we'll make a deal i'll call back uh i'll call back the guy who's actually in charge of because there's a guy who's actually in charge of this he's just the middleman and he's the one you have to talk to so or i have to talk to about this so the so mel just says all right here's the an alley i don't care that he's in ottawa tell him his entire thing crumbles if he's not in that alley at 10 o'clock tonight and so the date is set and here's where it gets interesting because at the same time susan takes Vinny out as a bodyguard to do some shopping and doesn't like how cold he's being because Vinny, again, has trouble hiding his emotions a lot of the time. You don't really feel like this is a game he's running on her. You kind of feel like he's actively pissed that she framed him. Well, yeah. No, but I'm just <laughs> yeah, saying that's it's like... the whole point, yeah. Well, no, but I mean, there are people who, within this world of being a spy for the U.S. government, would think to themselves, everything, they are just monsters. Everything they're doing is to play me, so I'm going to play them. And in that case, his being hurt emotionally would have just been a, a thing facade. he was doing, a facade, to to manipulate her. But you really don't get the sense that he's just, like, you get the sense that he's actually hurt. And he is revealing that actual hurt. Does that make sense? Well, yes, but that just means that's why they have him as this... This yeah. this deep undercover person because yeah. he can do that. There is this authentic <laughs> yeah no there is an authentic level to everything he does. Yes, and that's key. and so that it's very hard for either us to determine whether he really is or whether he just accepts that this is part of the game, and yeah. we don't know. And it's always and that's the tension of this show is that you never know. Yep. whether it's real or whether it's part of the game and Vinny is just really really good at playing the game oh absolutely yeah so now we've got and again i think based on how the character grows and changes i i do suspect it's real i do suspect he is putting all of himself into this and that's mm -hmm. why it is so devastating for him but again the show does leave it open for interpretation. She decides to prove how she feels by sleeping with Vinny for the first time. We get a sex scene in the show, which I think is our first one in the entire show. Uh, I, I think so, yeah. 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying. Uh, no, no, I'm just trying to. Yeah, no. First sex scene in the show. And then, so they get to the meeting. After that, they get to the meeting in the alley five minutes late. And it turns out that uh, rather than take the meeting, with Mel and Pierre, uh, Mel and Jacques, Pierre, uh, Pierre, the guy they're there to see, 
has decided to murder his middle name, shooting yeah. him in the back in the alley and then running off. Vinny gets there just as the guy's dying. The guy tells Vinny where the evidence is, but Vinny keeps it to himself. Of course. Of course. Uh, so tells Frank. <laughs> yeah. And that's key. He tells Frank because <laughs> they have to decide how to play this. And mm-hmm. Frank says, it's going to get you in deeper, right? If you can deliver this. Mm-hmm. But obviously we don't want these missiles getting there. So I will fly to Washington. I will talk to the State Department. And we will pull whatever strings are necessary with the French uh, government to make sure the missiles don't get there. Yep. It's very clear, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's very clear that that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Now, what's interesting here is we get a scene of of Mel going straight from being super happy that because Vinny shows up with the Vinny shows up with the files, which really pisses off Roger because Roger yeah. is the one. What do you who mean you have? You yes. mean you have people? Yeah. I want to know who these people who are these are. people that you have. Yeah, because uh, as Vinny says, he found them because you have your people and I have mine. And of course, Roger finds this incredibly hard to believe. And it is. It's completely hard to believe. But, you know, Roger and Mel, who ran to the limo the second shots were fired, don't know that Vinny got to the dead guy, the dying guy, just before he died and got the information. So they have no idea how he got this. And then we get a really interesting scene where Mel confronts Susan over sleeping with Vinny. And I think this is just a fantastic scene, and I'll tell you why. He he essentially wants her... Okay, you, uh, she talks... This is the first... Well, no, it's the first time we've seen that Susan, who is 100% controlled all the time, is in every bit as much mental pain as... Yes. Mel is. Mel is, yeah. She is just in agony all the time. Be- again, because of their horrible upbringing and all of the awful stuff they did and the fact that they have to be paranoid all of the time, both about other criminals and about the government, like, she has... She never has a moment of rest. And being with Vinny gave her that moment of just being... A person. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, just being human for a second. Just being a person who wants a thing and gets the thing. And there is an easiness to her relationship with Vinny that exists in no other part of her life. It really is easy to be with Vinny because he has this openness and this natural to us. There never feels like there's any artifice when he's with her. And of course, again, you can debate whether that's real or not, but that's what she's feeling and that's what she's reacting to. And of course, that's what Frank is afraid of, that Vinny just doesn't sleep with anybody because he can figure out already that Vinny is sleeping with. Oh, oh, yeah. No, no, he full on tells. He full on yeah. tells lifeguard right away, and he tells yeah, uh, yeah he, and he tells them. And as he said, Vinny's not one to just jump into bed. And I'm like, well, I mean, yes and no. One hundred percent, he was sleeping yeah, with yeah. random women when he was working in uh, with uh, Sunny. When it's Sunny, yeah, one hundred percent, he was he was sleeping with. He had to have been with all that time with Sunny because oh my god, Sunny was getting sex workers all the time. So it would have looked real weird had Vinny not been sleeping with women. Right. Yeah. It's just there's no way. Uh, but he, Frank is right that this is he's obviously worried about this and takes this more seriously. Yeah. Right? Uh, and so he tells him, 
to watch out. As does Lifeguard, right? Yeah. As does Lifeguard, who, of course, uh, this is the first time we find out that Lifeguard used to be a field agent as well before he lost his legs. And that's why he's so good at supporting field agents. And he, too, fell for a woman in the trade and it didn't go well for him. Uh, so, you know, we've got some parallel stuff going on. We're learning about the characters' backstories. It's all yeah, really good. But Mel has the best scene where he says, if you, like, if if it was just a way to get rid of being sad for one moment, you can throw Vinny away, right? You can never see him again. And he wants her to prove that she can do it. And she says she can. He wants her to prove it by throwing the ring away. Yes. Because the ring is just just a million dollars. Who cares? It's stolen goods. It's used just like Vinny is used. So why not throw it out? And she throws it out and he's like, there, here you go. But of course, that night she turns up in Vinny's bed because, and this is a brilliant piece of structuring, what Mel forgot and the writers remembered is that it's his ring. The ring doesn't represent Vinny. The whole point of what he was buying in the start of the episode was that it was supposed to be a matching set of jewelry. A necklace for her and a ring for him. And so in that scene, he is encouraging, he is, by having this ultimatum, he's actually forcing Susan to throw him away to stay with Vinny. That's what's actually happening in that scene under the text of what's happening in that scene. And that's why the ring, the like the first time we see the ring, it's on his finger. But then he says now it represents Vinny, but that doesn't change what our association with the ring is. And the ring is Mel's ring, and she's throwing away Mel when she throws away that ring. Am I reading too much into this? I yeah. don't think so. No, I don't think so. Because <laughs> I of think how some of it, okay, I think some of it may be I, I, yeah, that's really, it's, it's such a hard it's a stretch. scene. Well, it's not just, well, it's a bit of a stretch. Um, yeah. I think that you're not wrong. You could read it there, but Mel has such a power over her. Absolutely. That I doubt that she sees it that way. And that is what would be critical. That's true. I don't but think that she understands she's... You're right. Because it, she it thinks might not she be can true do for the both. Characters. You're right. She does think that she can be with Vinny and give Mel the support he needs. Yes. And, of course, uh, Mel being hyper-borderline um, <laughs> yeah. can read everything. Well, I mean, the two of them are able to read one another's feelings and minds and everything else. Whether, okay, you're right. we have seen up to Absolutely. this point. I will, I yeah. will, I will make an, I will make a slight adjustment to my statement. <laughs> While what I said is not true for anything about the characters, like the, the yeah. symbolism of the ring is not true for the characters. What I will say is the, the symbol of the ring is important. Symbolism of the ring is important for the people who made the show because throwing away Mel's ring, and I don't think this part is arguable, is the moment in that scene where she is committing herself to Vinny. Now, yeah, again, without, I don't, without, without realizing it. it. Yes, without realizing it. And I think that, um, yeah, but I mean, she's, is it this episode or the next episode where she goes, 
we want to live a normal life. No, that's right. Yeah, that's next episode. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. yeah no, I don't think she's aware of it. I don't. No, think she's not aware she... of it. But for the right, for the people who made the show, that's what that scene means, I, I... and that's why it's Mel's ring that gets thrown away, and not her necklace. Yeah, and so, and then that leads to, of course, the complete destruction of her her mind. She's exactly. been the one that hasn't fallen apart ever. Yeah, exactly. And she can feel it coming, and that's what we'll talk about in the next episode. But anyway, yeah. so they get Pierre, they drag him out to the boat, they show him this, uh, you get a great scene where uh, he tells Mel Prophet that he thought he'd be taller, uh, which is cute. And then you get a great button for that at the end of the scene. Uh, so they show him the giant amount of evidence they have against him and say, essentially, here's the deal. There is there is no way out of this for you. You can accept the million dollars and get me what I want and keep your operation going, or you can be in jail, or honestly, you might get shot and thrown off the yacht. We're in international waters. That subtext is always there. Always, right? always, always. There's a chance he might not have, might not get home if he doesn't do what Mel wants. And so he uh so he agrees to what they're doing, and I want to mention here that the villain of this piece, in addition to Mel, uh, Pierre Coscard is, uh, an actor who is very, uh, how shall I put this? Uh, unbelievably familiar to me. Not just because he was in two episodes of Sledgehammer. Although I do remember <laughs> him from that. Uh, he was the guy who, uh, ran the evil toy factory in that episode. <laughs> anyway. Toys yeah. that really kill people. Uh, but anyway. <laughs> But he is most famous, I believe, to a certain generation, my generation, as the snooty hotel manager from Ghostbusters. He's the guy who calls them to get rid of Slimer. That's the same actor. So I was very happy about that. So now we've wrapped things up. And this is the scene where uh, Mel tells, you know, Vinny, he's going to get his commission for uh, commission for setting out, helping set up the $50 million deal. So. Vinny's got like half a million dollars coming to him. And that's if Mel only gave him 1%. So let's just say there's there's some money kicking around uh, that's going to come up later. Yeah, well. Uh, but yeah, so he's going get to get, he's gonna get handed half a million dollars. But he says to Vinny, and this is the follow-up from the boat scene, my sister gets everything she needs from me. And Vinny's like, yeah. I completely understand that. And that's when Susan turns up in his bed. Yeah. And says that she's falling in love with him. And he's like, oh, It's such a pathetic scene. But it is such a pathetic scene. It's so... She has debased herself, essentially. Yeah. And she has. And it's so sad because this is the least controlled we've ever seen her. And she is starting to separate because Vinny is there. She is starting to separate from Mel. And so she is immediately like clinging to the next thing for dear life. Yeah. Cause she doesn't know how to be apart from Mel. Like she has no idea how to be separate from Mel. So she's just clinging to the next thing she sees for dear life. And that's the thing you can make the argument. Yeah. She's, she's in love with Vinny. Sure. But fundamentally, as we get in the, as we'll find in the next episode, looking for a way out of this life has something been something she's been thinking about clearly for a while. Like, this isn't the first, like, Vinny showing up isn't the first time she's thought of that. It's just Vinny being there is giving her this excuse. Because it's not just that she's in love with Vinny. 
she's in love with the idea of not being in this life anymore. I would think that she is more in love with the idea of Vinny than yeah. she is with any reality yeah. that Vinny is. I think that's because true. Because I think she's created some kind of a world, and we will see that slowly but surely. She creates this world around Vinny. She creates a world in her head. Yeah. And Vinny is just part of, well, Vinny is just part of the furniture in that world. Not completely part of the furniture, but yes. I I wouldn't say he's just an accessory. I think she would, she would want to be like, um, she's still going to be in charge, but I think she does want to be like a wife and mother. You know, she does want it. She does want that lifestyle. Well, she thinks and she a big, wants She it. thinks they want. You're right. She thinks she wants that. We'll she talk about thinks that she second. wants it. I mean, that's that's the whole thing here. That's what makes that so so pathetic. It's like, yeah. love me, like like it, as if somehow or another, all of a sudden, you know, quote, this uh, is going to fix Mel, everything. Yeah. Mel isn't good enough, and this isn't enough, and this is going to fix everything. Yeah, and as we're, you know, and we're going to find out later. I mean, this is all part and parcel of probably her age. Hmm. Um. And yeah, and no, because she's hearing about other people who. The problem is that Vinny has roots, and so she talks to Vinny. And what's attractive is this idea of Vinny and Vinny's family and yeah. Vinny's roots. And being able to she's hang so out with envious, friends. yeah, she's so envious that he used to get to hang out with friends in high school, you know, she spent her high school years in jail, basically, yep, yeah, like before that, they moved around all the time, and then she spent her high u- high school years in jail, like she never had any normal experiences in her entire life, and so you're right, Vinny offering she he's like an avatar. Yeah. Of the suburban life that she missed out on as a child. And that, that therefore he's going to be able to give it to her. Like, can yeah. you imagine his mother? I know, meeting, meeting Susan. <laughs> 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 oh, that would have been fantastic. That would have oh. been, that would have sent Susan right back to Mel. And she would have said, kill her. Oh, I know. Oh, God, that would have been I hilarious. Mean, you know, you're absolutely I mean, right. I, I, you're not wrong. <laughs> no, you know, I mean, that that would have just been because if any reality is going to break into this. And the problem is that Vinny has this this bizarre idea of the world he grew up in as well. Yeah. You know, this like idealized him, version of the neighborhood. This was the perfect world that he grew up in. And his yep. mother is the perfect mother. And. You know, he, yeah, his mother can solve all the problems if you got everybody sitting around the kitchen in her table and eating lasagna. I mean, give <laughs> I me a break, Vinny. I know, but oh, it's, but it's that's this amazing Vinny... fantasy world he lives in, like this, this black and white world. For, yeah, yeah. That he's For every bit as delusional about how the world works as she is, which we're going to find out in season two, but you know, that's going to take a second. Yeah. Because he at this point, and that's something interesting about the show, and that's going to come up in season two. We're not going to spoil why, because it's a very fun episode. But like, he doesn't, he's never thought of his mother as a real person. No. Like, he has never thought of her as a real person with thoughts and feelings of her own. She Jesus is this avatar. Saint. that She is this avatar of goodliness in the world. 
right? And as you say, and as he says in the episode, and as you just quoted, he's like, she could fix, like, if she was everybody's mother, the world would be perfect. Is his, And that's really what he's saying. And Susan's buying into it. Of course, because it's this fantasy. But I mean, she's always lived in fantasy worlds. Yeah. It's why it's such a, like, a good set of scenes. Yeah. No, no, yeah. It, it is, but at the same time, it is so pathetic, and nothing oh, it's pathetic good and is going to come oh, from this. Of course not. You know, there's not, there's not any can't. good way out for any of them. But yeah, it's no. it's it is heartbreaking when you watch it. It really is. Yeah. All right. Oh, and then we get the very the kicker at the end of the episode, which is uh, Vinny goes <laughs> to talk to Frank, and he, he knocked on every door and he talked to every person, and the missiles got sent anyway. Yep. Nothing he could do to stop it. Because Mel has connections that go way higher than his bosses, than Frank's bosses at the FBI. Yep. And that's a pretty scary idea. But that's going to be important. But that's going to be important later. The CIA, State Department, moneyed interests. Like, here they're being very coy. We're going to get another clue in the next episode. Well, yeah, in the next episode, we find out what probably one of those connections are. And now we get to uh, an episode that doesn't have Vinny in it. Much. And is still incredible. Oh, yeah. No, it's an incredible episode. Okay. Um, So now we are on to Not for Nothing. Not for Nothing. Aldo's, Uh, poor uh, Aldo's story. Oh, you want to talk about the most pathetic character in the entire show? <laughs> it might be Already? Aldo Baglia. Yeah, you know, in the oh. previous in the previous arc, and now he's in this. Arc. Oh, all right. So anyway, long story short, turns out, and again, I'll say it one last time, to make a lot more sense if this was Montreal. <laughs> <laughs> Aldo is hiding out. In Vancouver, of all places. <laughs> working for a local mobbed-up guy. Uh, just working at a butcher shop, living in an SRO. And I having a good, it... reasonably good time. Yeah, like his, his life's fine. His he life's fine. He's, he, you know, he's got things he, to give prostitutes, either he, money or groceries yeah, or whatever. Groceries, or... He can, yeah, he can pay his sex workers in the meat he takes from the job, and he's, you know, a connected guy. So nobody's going to make a fuss about him taking stuff. Honestly, like, the SRO isn't great. And if you don't know what an SRO is, that's a term for single room occupancy. Uh, so it's basically um, a place where there are communal bathrooms and communal phones. And everybody basically just has a closet to live in for a couple of bucks a night. And only one person is ever allowed in those rooms, ideally. Hence, SRO, single room occupancy. And so it's just this sad, pathetic, cash-only hotel, which, you know, he has to keep his head down because he's a wanted criminal. Yeah, and, 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 but he doesn't, as I said, as you, when you're looking at his life, it it's not as bad as it could be. No, no, he's so, not, he, yeah, he is. He's reasonable life. Yeah, he has, he has an okay life, but the problem is, as he says, he was supposed to be running things in Atlantic City. Like he was supposed, like his dad was one of uh, you know yeah, the most. Yeah, but that doesn't. But the point is, is that no, no, everything no, 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 is fine. Everything is fine. He's willing to put in his time. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, he sees this picture of Vinnie Terranova yeah. in the newspaper. Yeah, and that's well, this what is what sets I want to get. Off. Oh no, it is what sent him off. But I'm just saying, yes, that's true. He is basically fine in his life, right? But at the same time, 
he also there is a level of resentment that because he does before he ever sees the Vinny picture, we see him asking the mobbed up guy who owns either runs his business out of this store. Why can't he be doing stuff for you? Like, why can't I be doing work? And the guy's like, you're doing the work I want you to do. Just keep your head down. And he's right. Like, it's only been six months. You know, he can't go around started doing things until it's absolutely safe and nobody's working for him. And you're right. Nobody's looking for him. Sorry, looking for him. And yeah, he's impatient, but you're right. He is basically accepting his lot in life. And you get this moment where it's like, the minute you see something outside of this uh, world you have, it su- and he sees Vinny, it all gets sucked back. Yeah, right. that's the problem. Like, like I could have seen Aldo eventually, you know, starting to work or moving to Montreal, you yeah. know, and being part there because it's the Italian mob. God only knows in Vancouver what it is, you know. Yeah. So therefore, The guy he's working for sure as hell ain't Italian. <laughs> Yeah, you know, but that doesn't matter. They're connected. Yeah, they're connected. And, you know, he could eventually go back to Montreal and then maybe eventually make his way back into the States is how he would see it, his world working, as long as he has, you know, and after he has the confrontation with his boss, you know, and then he goes out and he's not, oh, I'm not too happy, but this girl offers him. Well, I hear she as he says. Well, I don't have much money. Well, yeah, but I hear you pay in groceries. Trade groceries. You'll trade groceries. And I've got everything you need, right? Yeah. And so so he comes out of there pretty happy. Yeah, he's fine. I mean, you're right. He's largely you know, he, fine in his life. And it's only finding speaking, out that Vinny is doing fine for himself. Okay, right? that that makes him call Mahoney. Yeah. And that's, yeah, that's what triggers him calling Mahoney. And, you're like, why does he call Mahoney and not his dad? Because Mahoney's got a phone line that nobody knows is his. Yeah. He's got a phone line that is like wired in from an apartment three blocks away or something so no one knows it's mahoney's phone so nobody can possibly tap it it's yeah. it's a nice explanation for why he's gotta go to mahoney instead of his family so he calls mahoney and i like that even though he's like fleeing uh, he has fled the country and everything he still considers himself part of the organization and Vinny's a made guy yeah so he has to phone mahoney to ask for permission to kill Vinny. Yeah. Because Vinny, like, that's the thing. Vinny actually is a made guy in the Mafia. You can't just shoot him without an okay. And Mahoney's like, what does it matter? You know, what does it matter? Like, we we just got too greedy. We just kept pushing. We could have all just sat there with all the money in the world and all the comfort in the world. But we kept pushing and wanting more and wanting consolidation and wanting power. And now where are we? You know? We're all indicted. We don't have any money. I've got cancer. By the way, Mahoney's got cancer. Yeah. Like, it's just, uh, so he gives this whole speech about how there's no reason. Yeah. Right? There's no reason to kill Vinny. None of it matters anymore. And of course, uh, and the amazing thing is, Aldo accepts this. Yeah. He's fine with that. He's like, yeah, that's fine. Like, you're right. You know what? You're right. I got to put this in the past. But then he asks how his dad is. Yeah. Oh. Then he finds out dad died. And yeah. nobody had told him yet. Yeah, there was no way to get in touch with him. So he finds out his dad, Joey Bags, Don Baglia, 
had a heart attack and keeled over and he's dead. And he is full of fury. He doesn't know, like, he's got no rage and he's got to put it out somewhere. And that somewhere is in vain. Because it's, it's because, such a good setup. No, it is a good setup. And it's because he blames Vinny. Not that any of them have any proof. No, of course. That, but he blames that, uh, Vinny. Well, no, because he, Vinny, were, I mean, it's not like he knows Vinny's a comp, but no. he knows Vinny had gone over Got to out. Pat the Cat. Well, no, and he yeah. went over to Pat the Cat. That's the big deal. Yeah. He went over to Pat, and then, you know, we found out, we find out in this one the cover for Vinny was that they didn't have like some uh like they there was a problem with some of the evidence against Vinny they purposefully lost something so he was a, his lawyer was able to spring it right yeah. so he, so Ketchell was able to get him out which is nice uh which is a, a nice little note cuz they have a full and complete cover for him and no one thinks Vinny was uh in the FBI no one thinks no. they he ratted him out no. anything like that they just hell Nobody, everyone might think that he and, uh, you know, Sonny fled together because they wound up yeah. in the same place. There's no real evidence of what happened. So the only thing they're ticked about is that he betrayed them to Paul Patrice. And that's yeah. what he wants to kill him over. So he gets himself a rifle. He goes to where uh, Mel Prophet's boat is. He sits there with the rifle and he waits. And this is where we get Patrick McKenna in the show. Yes. Playing a, a stand-up comedian who uh, Mel has dragged back to the boat for a party. And then they all decide to go out and get, you know, a 2 a.m. meal. And as they're walking down the dock, Vinny gets shot twice in the chest. Whew. Yep. And of course, everybody thinks it's Mel who's the Mel, target. Exactly, because he was standing right next to Mel. So everyone assumes Mel's the target. Roger, you know, immediately sees where the shots were coming from because he's good at his job. Yeah. And he fires a, a whole magazines full of bullets at uh, Aldo, at Aldo, shattering the windows and some of the glass hits him and cuts up his face. Yeah. So there you go. We, uh, uh, you know what? Think things are going pretty much how you need them to. Vinny gets rushed to the hospital <laughs> and then we get the own perhaps. And this is what we were talking about earlier. The only portrayal of cops as being professionals who are good at their job in the entire show. <laughs> because roger roger goes. goes to see the investigation of the the room where the shots came from and it's like the cops do everything right they don't want to let other people in there they're securing the scene they're doing evidence like they're they are they are professional with roger they're not uh they're not insulting to this man they don't know no. they're not drunk in their own power they're handling everything exactly how is it how it can be handled <laughs> Canadian <laughs> cops are the good cops in this world. <laughs> Who would have thunk it, right? <laughs> yeah, I know. And I then know. we get a whole sequence, which is just magnificent. Because Roger tries to go up to find out who attacked them and get evidence and the cops won't let him in and the detectives aren't there yet so there's no one to talk to because the patrol officer's like no my only order is stand outside of this door until the detectives and the evidence people get here so i'm going to stand outside this door and make sure nobody gets in and then we get a scene with roger like which is so fantastic that you kind of get the sense that you know i'd watch the show if it was about roger he's <laughs> such a good like he he really convinces you that he could be the lead of this show in the scene where he is investigating what happened. Maybe I'm going too far. Maybe you don't agree, but it's like, 
you watch him and you're like, yeah, like he's really carrying this whole episode. Well, haven't I already said that why didn't they find Roger? Yeah. When they bring when, Roger back, when he, uh, when Vinny leaves the show at the end of season three. Yeah. Why not make it about Roger? People already liked Roger. He had proved in this episode that he can carry the whole show and proves yeah. it again, you know, proves it again in other episodes later this season. Like, I mean, there, there's a point at which Roger is a co-lead of the show. Like, is as much the main character of the well, show. Well, and Vinny. he shows up in one of our favorites. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Shish, 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 shish. We don't want to spoil it for people who haven't seen the show. But yes, you are going to see Roger again. Yeah, you're uh, going to see Roger again. Yeah, but and... it's like, you don't want to spoil that for people who haven't seen the show. But we're not going to tell you when and we're not going to tell you how, but you are going to see Roger again. And that's the last we'll say about that till we actually get there. Yes. Uh, but the point is... But he can carry it because he, he has carry got... It. The yeah. gra- it's the gravitas. He's not the... He's not the soul looker. I mean, yeah. he's not... That, that, that Vinny Terranova is... Yeah. But he's got the gravitas necessary. Yeah, he might not be this gorgeous man, you know, but he's fantastic. And you're right. He he holds your attention. Yes. He absolutely As holds your the attention. The whole time, like when he goes down, like, of course, now. So the cop does say to him just, well, when the inspector comes, you can talk you to can him. You can talk to him. And we get this great, this fantastic <laughs> scene where he run, where you're like, what the hell is Roger doing? Like Roger's He going, goes to a shoe store and he's like, I need some size 10 shoes that nine. have ne- size nine shoes that have <laughs> never been out of the box. Don't open the box. Don't touch them. And we watch him buy these shoes and give a guy 50 bucks for his duct tape. And then we find him like, we watch him do this thing where he puts tape all over the bottom of the shoes and then attaches a false bottom to the shoes and cardboard and creates fake white stripes up the side of the shoes with the tape and you're like what the hell is he doing i know and then he convinces the cop by like just saying look i'm a working man he meets the inspector he says look i'm a working guy just like you are my boss is screaming at me the people took shots on him i need something to tell him let me in let me look around i promise not to touch anything but you know i need to find out what's going on and the guy's like fine but don't touch anything. So he walks around and we realize, oh my God, he took off those things because he wants to walk around the carpeting and find trace evidence that's going to be stuck to the bottom of his shoe. Yeah. You're like, that's really smart. It's just, it's just a brilliant little scene. And then he touches, he touches the window and touches the window. That's it. And that's it. He's out of there. He's out of there. Yeah. He's out of there. And they're very nice about it though. Yeah. He sees that there's a little blood, so he knows that the guy got cut by the broken glass. But yeah, they're even polite about it. And they're like, what's it like working for the richest man in the world? And he's like, today it sucks. (laughs) (laughs) Such a great, and it's just, you know, showing himself off. Hey, I'm just a working guy. I just punch a clock, just like you guys. It's such a brilliant way to like get him and show that he can, he can be every bit the the what do you call it? he can be every bit the careful schemer just the way Vinny can yeah. right he can do exactly what Vinny does he can appear to be whoever he needs to be for a scene yeah they're like oh great we're learning a lot more about Roger yeah that's in fact you know I mean even though that may not well who knows it probably is the intent of the episode I think it too, is is to to expand Roger. We yeah. have to find out more about Roger because Roger is going to be key going forward. 
Exactly. Like, we already, we're already on board, and we know Roger's got stuff going on that we're not privy to, but this episode is just, like, a showcase for Roger. Meanwhile, uh, Frank is spinning out because his guy got shot. Uh, Lifeguard turns over all of his phones to somebody else at the, uh, at the bureau so he can rush. Up to uh, So he can rush up to Vancouver to see how Vinny's doing, like... These are guys who have issues compartmentalizing sometimes. Uh, but yeah, but they well, genuinely care in. about Vinny. Well, yes, here's the problem. They've been sucked in by Vinny's just naivete. Like the, just just like, like the criminals else. are. You're absolutely yeah. right. That's what's going on. Why Why does Vinny get it? Because he does get away with things. He does get away with things. It's because people, yeah, people are finding like him, him compelling. People just yeah. love Vinny. And yeah. it's because of this innocence he projects. You know, and it's, it's a really fascinating character. So he rushes to see him, and we find out that Charles uh, ha- is back on back cocaine. On well, it was it was the it was he saw too much cocaine when he was down in um, South America. No, no, Tennessee. Oh yeah, in Tennessee, it was tempted. And he, you're right, he was tempted to go back to it, and, and uh, he did, and he's well, back and in rehab. Honestly, if you were to <laughs> ask me as a writer. I would tie it into his uh, the, one of the things that drove him back to Coke would be how frustrated he was that they weren't able to shut down the missiles. Yeah, like, I well, would have layered yes. that in. That that is like, and this is but a headcanon thing. So fast, it that all happened yeah. so fast that it can't. Yeah, that like, you can't lay that in. You'd have to. You would have need scenes. You would have had to uh, have an extra scene with Frank and Charles trying to pull strings to stop it. Yeah, but right? then you Charles... still have to have more time. Oh, no, no. But I'm saying if there were, if this were a... Oh, absolutely. To you. replace him. Oh, yeah. Right? But I'm just... Uh, what, all I'm saying is you've got a... Um, it, if you were writing this today, because we'll tell you in a second why he is suddenly back on Coke. Yeah. Because uh, there's, a, there's a plot reason for why he's back on Coke. But I'm just saying if this were a modern prestige hour-long show that did 13 episodes like they would make it so the frustration over their failures with mel is what drove him back to his coping mechanism coke especially considering the you know the temptation he had in valdosta ridge where they got you know a half a ton of coke just sitting there yeah yeah so i think that would play they, they would have tied that all together in a modern show is all i'm saying uh but of course the reason she's there is they want to do a story about Frank's personal life and him cheating on his wife. Well, technically they're separated. His wife yeah. has left him. Exactly. She's filing for divorce. Yeah, they're separated. But I'm talking about what's happening in Frank's head. In Frank's head, yes. Yes. You're right. He is fine. She has said she wants to file for divorce. She has left him. She has put his dog in the pound. I can't believe that. Why? That is, he... bring the friggin' dog. Well, no, we know we meet his wife later and she was trying yeah. to hurt him. You can oh, believe yes. it because she was trying to hurt him. You can bring, you can bring the dog to your mother's house. Yeah. Well, no, no. I mean, wh- why he ever went back to her, I don't know. Yeah. But anyway, no, good Catholic boy. Good, good Catholic, Catholic boy. Same as the rest of them. Same as the rest of them can't get he a divorce. He has to do everything to fight for his marriage. Yep. Yeah. No matter and, how bad it is. But yeah, so he and the CIA officer uh sleep with each other i sleep together is the sane way to say that uh sleep together so we're just setting up some stuff there and just him him we're we're getting a window into frank and that he is 
every bit as lonely and depressed and desperate and at sea as Vinny is being out here in Vancouver, knowing no one living in a ratty hotel. We get that great moment where it's like, where he's envious that Vinny has spent the last five months living in the nicest hotel in the world in a thousand dollar a night suite. And he's like stuck in this hovel. Yeah. And then Vinny gets shot. And then know? Vinny gets shot. And oof. He guilt. feels real guilty real fast. Guilt! Uh, so we get this great moment where in parallel, we mm-hmm. see uh, we see Roger and the FBI and CIA all at the exact same time using the same evidence to try and track down the shooter. And right away, of course, uh, Roger knows, and this is the key part, Roger knows that no way was Mel the target. Like, they don't know that Vinny was the target the way Roger does, because as Roger says, if you're firing with a scoped rifle at 100 meters, you don't accidentally hit the same Same. not-moving target twice. Twice, yeah. If, 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 uh, yeah, if Vinny hadn't been the target, the second shot wouldn't have hit him. No, it would have hit Mel. He would have adjusted and hit Mel, or at least come close to Mel, you know? Yeah. But no, Vinny was shot twice because Vinny was the target. And we see that the guy that uh, Roger goes to, to get a readout on uh, what the evidence he took off his shoes was. And we meet Herb Catcher for the first time. (sighs) And in this first scene, you would have no idea how important this character is going to be. No, it's just a slimy little... little Slimy bureaucrat. Working that, for the government. That, 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 you know, is corrupt. He's a super That's corrupt guy. Like. And he says that he is pissed off. And the main thing is, all of this stuff, all of this stuff about Vinny, all this checking, this is distracting him from what he was supposed to be doing. And I don't like doing, and as he says, I don't like doing favors for you just so you can show off for Mel. Yeah. There's more important stuff going on here. And, uh... <laughs> And Roger, and Roger says, says you, you owe me. I am running this. You owe me. So I get whatever I want whenever I ask for it, no matter what. And so you get a window into their relationship right, right away. Yeah. That's going to be very important later. So both in parallel have found out that because of the the salt and the fats and the sugars, 100% this is someone, like the person who walked around this place, had on their shoes evidence that they worked at a butcher shop that sells exotic meats. Right? And so they, uh, so she gets a list of the 21 employees of the of the three butcher shops that match that criteria, and she and Frank are going to go start knocking on doors. Roger gets four. Roger, by the way, has four <laughs> names because yeah. what the CIA has done is gone a little further. He has run it by his profilers and tried to figure out, okay, of these people who believably could accurately fire, like who were demographically yeah. most likely to be able to accurately fire a rifle. So you want someone young, someone who hasn't had medical problems, blah, 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 blah. And so Aldo is right at the top of Roger's list. And here is a great scene, and I'm going to ask you if you notice this. We see uh, Aldo at the beginning of this scene, uh, back at his place after seeing the sex worker drinking a beer, and we get a shot of him drinking a beer by the window that's a close-up. 
Do you understand the significance of that shot? Why they did that shot? Did you notice it? Yes or no? Tell me. The fact that you don't even know what shot I'm talking about tells you. They do a shot of him standing next to the window, drinking a beer in close-up. Because they want us to notice his ring. In oh, that he's scene, he's still ring. wearing yeah. Paul Patrice's ring. ring. Yep, the ring that he cut off Paul Patrice's finger, he's still yeah. wearing. Just again, because, hey, nothing's in the past. It's all still happening. All of the motivations in the past, all the grudges of the past, it's all still here as long as he's alive. Yeah. He can't let anything go. I mean, hell, that's an expensive ring. He could be living more comfortably. But no, he's hanging on to the memory of the death of Paul Patrice. Well, and besides, he truly believes he will get out of that and back oh, in the eventually. business at some point. Oh, absolutely. So and why then, get and rid that's of a, this? Oh, it's a great <laughs> trophy to have. Yeah. Once he gets back in the business. This is the ring I took off Paul Patrice. You know? Yeah. That's like, and that's what you're saying. None of, like, he can't live a new life. He can't escape the past. He's got the greatest signifier of the past right on his hand. Like, he's... <laughs> He's a guy working in a butcher shop wearing an $80,000 ring. It's crazy, but that's who he is. He's a guy who's always got one foot in this mob world in his own head, whether or not like anybody else sees it that way. Uh, so <laughs> Frank goes to, uh, goes to the workplace to say, uh, to meet Aldo, right? To, you know, check out if this is the guy. And he uses the cover that, He's from a bank. Uh, he's from a bank, and Aldo applied for a loan. And the guy running the <laughs> the mob tough guy running the butcher shop was like, "Why the hell would he do that?" Yeah, and then Frank and sees Frank no, sees Aldo Ra in the background, immediately knows who that it's Aldo Baglia, yeah. and chases after him. Aldo runs away, and he runs right into Roger, who chases him up to a roof, starts demand, tries to demand why he shot Vinny. And Aldo, struggling, winds up going off the roof. Yeah, slips on grease. <laughs> slips on some grease and goes off the roof. Ah, oh, perfect ending to a butcher. <laughs> you know it's true. You know it's true. And then we immediately, Frank sees the dead body on the ground, realizes it was all, you know, sees that it was Aldo, realizes this isn't about Mel, this isn't something that he's going to need to cover up. You know, essentially the loose end is tied up. So he runs off because, again, he's an FBI agent, you know, as Lila, that's the CIA agent's name, Lila, told him he's got no authority to be, to be working. Yeah. But he's like, Frank can't not investigate it himself. So he's like, we'll find the guy and then we'll call the Vancouver PD and turn him over because he can't not do it himself. Of course he can't. And then we get the very end of the episode. Oh, uh, with the very end of the episode. Which is Roger going to pick up Vinny at the hospital? Presumably, he got shot twice in the chest. So presumably, this scene is set. I don't know, like three weeks after the previous yeah. scene. Yeah, I would think so. It is. I don't. He think got there's... shot twice in the chest, and he only just wakes up from his coma right at the end of the episode. So it's like we're cutting ahead a couple of weeks. No, you don't probably get a, more yeah. than that. A you know, yeah, three, four weeks maybe, because he is healed so. up. He is healed yeah, and up Mel's and ready to walk around. Yeah, Mel's going to make sure that he's... Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
oh he's yeah completely healed up so before he gets him out, out lets him out of the hospital and of course he had all the best treatment because you know mel takes care of his people when they don't displease him uh <laughs> and then we get the closing line from roger which is uh he tells him uh, you know tells him about the look on aldo's face as he went over the side and he's like so aldo bagley huh sounds like you got some surprises for me i know i've got some surprises for you <laughs> boom there you go oh such i mean it's such a great ending and it's like and when you look at it a it's a great capper to the steel grave storyline it it really is right yes a and b it's such a good showcase for For roger Roger. (laughs) and william russ the performer yeah like it's it's really interesting yeah for william russ but it is interesting that they took the time yeah to end up so that we so that we the viewers find out what happened to everybody yeah who ended to, you know to to this whole business of steel grave dying and then all these guys going to jail we yep. find out a what bunch happened. of them go to jail uh you know don joey bags killed himself mahoney mahoney no, no, dying. joey bags died of a heart attack mahoney kills himself after getting off the phone with Aldo, because he's got cancer and he's got and he's broke, so and what's he's the dying. point? Yes, and he, yeah, he and so can, what's yeah. the point? So he he takes himself out. Like we get full closure on, and it's so such an elegant way to do it because they didn't do with Vinny and Frank talking about it in an earlier episode or yeah. doing it in the um uh the the re- last rites for Lucci. Right. Yep. They didn't do it. No, they put it halfway through the season while at the same time giving Roger his showcase episode and revealing that Roger is playing his own game yep. inside Mel, the profit organization, Squared. which we've had yeah. little hints about, but we've never had a full statement that Roger yeah. is playing his own game. And now we get Roger is playing his own game. Yeah. It's fantastic. Like, it really is fantastic. No, they, it's, it's bringing it, to, it like yeah i mean i yeah. can't even disagree with you i know i've let you sort of do most of the talking You're talking this, this time this this time that. well no no it's not that i I think i'm a little sort of tired <laughs> okay. uh it got really really hot today all of a sudden and yeah. um anyway it's um it was just what i really appreciated about this episode is the closure it gives us all plus it also because there's a mythology about Vinny because he's a made man mm-hmm. there's nobody in the steel grave or patrice's organization anymore yep. that could even question sort of his status his status yeah and so therefore it will leave him open to coming back no, you're right. And I mean, now a, that everyone, yeah, because yeah, now all the pe- that people know about Vinny is that he's a made guy. Yeah, all of the people who actually interacted with Vinny are dead or in jail. Yep. And so all you have is the knowledge that well, he's a made guy and he managed to skate on the charges. And yeah. so yeah, you're right. He would he would ne- who would find him suspicious going forward? Yeah, and that is yeah going because you know he's still going to be the made guy and he's yeah. still and he can't cope with being the made guy most of the time but that's not that's his problem not yeah any, that's you not, know yeah that's, that's not how the mob feels the mob is completely down with him well again he saw the man he holds responsible 
for like his life collapsing because you know he's one of the guys who betrayed Sonny and Joey Bags to Paul uh-huh. Patrice, and he still feels he needs to act, ask permission to kill him. Yeah, because the worst thing you can do in the mob is killing a made guy without getting the boss to sign off on it. Yep. So it's like that shows you how just the fact that he makes that phone call tells you just how unbelievably set Vinny's Vinny cover is. is. Yeah. yeah. Vinny's, Vinny's cover is and that's what is it shows you. It's as it's set a, as it could possibly be. It's an it, it is a more for for a an episode with very little of Vinny in it. It's you an excessively important yeah. episode to set up stuff that's going to happen going later. going to come yeah. in the future. It yeah. is. Well, I mean, the future, next episode. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, okay. But I mean, they don't know that. We can tell them this is going to come up next episode. Spoiler alert. It happens right away. Yeah. Uh, okay, so magnificent episode all around two really good episodes obviously i'd put uh not for nothing over uh merchant of death i think merchant of death's a really good episode it's vitally important for learning more about susan setting up the rest of the season showing us how it works uh right and again giving us a little bit about mel's connections like every episode there's again we always say there's no such thing as a one-off episode no Every episode, in the same way that every episode of the Steelgrave arc either had a clear plot, um, clear plot element, or was about setting up Vinny, uh, Vinny and Sonny's relationship. Yeah. Here, every episode is about either clearly moving the plot forward or letting us learn a lot about the characters. And honestly, it's all almost always both. You know. <laughs> Mm-hmm. This is the one episode where the only real plot moving forward we get is, you know, the stuff that happens with Roger going to meet, uh, going to meet her, right? That's and even that, it's really just more learning about these characters than clearly moving the plot forward. And clearly, stuff's getting set up, but not in the way that it was in Merchant of Death, where it was actively moving stuff forward. So, just two stellar episodes, like two fantastic episodes, great guest stars, and again. How do you not come away from this thinking, we could just give the show to Roger if we had to? Yeah, if we had to. And the answer is what you said. Eh, you know, Stephen Bauer looks more like a leading man than William Russ. Yeah, basically. Stephen Bauer's famous, you know? Stephen Bauer's famous, looks like a leading man. Yeah. Give it to him. Give it to him. NBC likes him. NBC whoever likes did him. it. Yeah. God, God well, will. No, no. But let's save our frustration. Yeah, we'll we'll talk about Stephen Bauer <laughs> when we talk about Stephen Bauer. Don't get me wrong, I love Stephen Bauer, but well, we'll get there. <laughs> uh huh. Yeah, we're gonna get there, and that's what that's all we have we're to say about that. We're not blaming him for what happened. Nothing that happens in season four is Stephen Bauer's fault. Fault? No. No. At Under all. no circumstances is anything that happens in Stephen in season four Stephen Bauer's fault. All right, so um, that's going to be that for this week. Please join us back here next time for, uh, I'm not going to say the most important, because obviously the last two episodes are the most important in the entire season. But like, if you think you know where this season is going, you have no idea. (laughs) The next two episodes uh, are going to disabuse you of that notion. Those two episodes are uh, episode seven of the Prophet arc, 
uh, which I guess makes it actually episode 117. It's very neat because this all started at episode 11. So episode 17 of the first season, episode 7 of the Prophet arc, which is Squeeze. And then episode 8, which is the, let's face it, unbelievably delightful Blood Dance. Again, you think you know what's coming. Who saw any of this coming? Nobody. Not when you watched uh, it the first time. And so I, I, again, I envy the people who were watching this first time because <laughs> what what show does a move like they're going to do in the next two episodes? Okay. If you don't. And that's that. Yeah. Come on. I, no, I'm not going to say it. Again. I'm not, okay. not going to say it. Okay. I'm just saying it's like, what show has the guts to do what they did? All right. So uh, we're going for it. Join us back here then. For now, though, as always, I want to thank you for listening. If you have any questions, comments, if there's any profiling related fiction you think we should check out, drop us a line at profilingcriminalminds at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Uh, <laughs> we'll see you back here. Is there any? No, there's nothing going on on Tuesday. So we'll see you. Um, oh, yes. If you're listening to this on some sort of a podcatcher or app, join us. Uh, be sure to rate and review because that is how people find out about the show. Join us back here next week for, again, pivotal episodes of this arc. See you back here for that, but until then, I'm going to say that's right. Au revoir. Have a good week. Profiling Criminal Minds is a member of the Kinks Podcasting Network.